0: Ian, you're fast becoming a beloved a beloved voice at Abe's Wallet as people get to uh, hear your insights into the industry and give us uh, really good equipment for how, how we can navigate with this, this world that is such a black box to most of us. I mean, we kind of enter the world of auto stuff when we have to, and we feel at a massive disadvantage. We kind of get out with our car and... Whew, made it through that. And then we hope to not interface with that world again for several years. So having some having some intelligence is, is a great help. So I appreciate you giving us more of your time. Hi, I'm Steve. For nearly 30 years, I've been a pastor and disciple maker. And what I really love doing is helping guys be better followers of Christ and better leaders at home. I'm Mark, a certified financial planner with an
1: MBA and an Ivy League degree who wants to make sure you're making the smartest money decisions
0: possible. And this is Abraham's Wallet. Join us weekly and create a culture in your family of multi-generational prosperity, spiritually, relationally, physically, intellectually, and financially. Run your home, your dough, like a biblical boss. It's good to be with you again. You're st- I see you're still in paradise. Yeah, you know, uh, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> I can't even look at you without thinking, there you are in Hawaii, and what we're hearing stateside is these reports of these fires in Hawaii, and you were just telling me um, before we started recording that from where you sit, the problem is much bigger than we think it is. Would you give us a little local man's insight?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, on Tuesday, there were kind of three main locations that had fires, but the real big one that got out of control was over in Lahaina. And I think this is one of the weird instances where the media isn't portraying it as bad as it actually is. And yeah. wow. I think, you know, there's a couple of factors that go into it. Um, one of the big ones, I think, is the the lack of Internet and cell service has Hmm. created, uh, or not created, but not allowed the social media ripple effect to occur. Um, And so people aren't able to post about and show videos and pictures of what's actually going on. There's a couple floating around, um, but what you're not hearing yet is the stories and just some of the horrific stuff that's transpired. It's very faceless
0: Um, to us right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, just the scene is all it is, kind of. Um, and you're not seeing the the devastation with the people and what's actually going on. And I think, um, unfortunately, from an infrastructure standpoint, this is something that's going to be years and years and years of rebuilding. I've had some um, local people compare it to, uh, like, Hurricane Katrina in terms wow. of how do you rebuild, where do you put people in the meantime, where do you house the people that are going to help with the rebuild. And yeah, just that infrastructure standpoint is going to be quite a challenge to overcome. Um,
0: You're saying that there were, I'm sorry, you were saying that there were thousands and thousands who are without their homes and there are hundreds and that number is growing hundreds that are being accounted for as having been killed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The number keeps going up every day. Um, Yeah. I think there's still over a thousand people missing. And wow. you know, we're on, we're on an Island. And so, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be that hard to find them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So unfortunately I think as time goes on, that that death count will continue to rise uh, and the stories yeah. will start to come out.
0: Well, I would just ask anybody if you can take a moment and pray for the people of Hawaii and what so many families are going through there. Um, we can hardly empathize, so let's just ask that God shows grace and mercy. That's about that might that might be the best thing that we could do today. Well, Ian, moving into your world of expertise, I thought we would start uh, by mean just running a few things by you that have kind of crossed my radar lately to get your take on them. I have an old classic. Um, you know, waxed with diapers, uh Land Cruiser that's in very good shape right now. Have you, I'm sure you're aware of this new Land Cruiser reboot that Toyota is doing. Have you seen this thing?
1: I haven't seen any of the renderings. No. I mean, I've, I've oh. heard the buzz of people talking about it's coming. Uh, yes. But I haven't seen any of the photos yet. No.
0: Okay. Well, then it'll be my pleasure to just tell you that, uh, Toyota has has declared that they're going to be making a Land Cruiser reboot. It's going to come out in 24. I think they've they had enough of seeing all of these uh, rebooted Broncos kind of taking over the world, and everyone's so excited about this kind of retro-looking vehicle. And uh, there's so much love around the Land Cruiser line, so they they're doing exactly the same thing. They're they're just updating the shape of it. That you know you can get one model that's got the the old circular headlights, and then you can get the new looking rectangular headlights, et cetera. And it's all it's all very LED and electrified, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they're doing the same thing that Bronco did, where it's kind of like it's ready to go into the wild, you know. So they've got rock plates underneath, and you know we've you can buy the lifted the lifted version. And one of them has um, they're going to their first 5,000 units, which they say they're going to sell out on those before they produce them is has like a, a refrigerated unit in the console. Like there's a refrigerator built into this thing. There's this huge uh, there's this huge Converter, power converter in it, so you can go live offline for a while. The the kind of exciting thing uh, for for fans of that of that kind of car is that I saw that when the Land Cruiser was discontinued in 2021, the minimum price to get in was eighty seven thousand dollars. That was the that was the baseline, and they keep saying that this new Land Cruiser is going to be in the mid fifties. So that's kind of exciting.
1: Yeah, that's gonna be great.
0: Um, do you have any thoughts about like the 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 uh, Bronco reboot? The, the, there's been such demand for that thing that you can buy them resale for like 160 percent of the sticker price. What, mm-hmm. what what have been your observations about that thing?
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting to observe just kind of the craze around it, right? There's yes. like there's no other reason really, other than just kind of like a <laughs> fanatic following. Um, you know, when you get in it and you drive it, you're like, okay, like (laughs) it's uh, you know, it's it's nice, but it's yeah, it's nice, but it's not all that impressive. You know, it's kind of a mix, I would say, between like kind of that FJ Cruiser, uh, Jeep Wrangler type of a rig, right? Um, and so yeah, it's like, all right, it's a it's new. But it doesn't blow your socks off.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But it looks great, you know? And I think that's what people are really after is that look. And um, I think Jeep has dominated that market for so many years. And people that, you know, maybe aren't interested in a Wrangler are able to have another option now. Um, And it's just kind of the new shiny object, latest and greatest thing out there. But yeah, the the price point hasn't come down. It's still up there. Yeah, I
0: just noticed this. I was just in Florida last week and just noticed... What you just said, I mean, I had the same sort of realization, oh, this isn't, this isn't competing with forerunners, these things. They're competing with Jeeps because I noticed that, I mean, I didn't even know you could do this with these new Broncos, but I saw these new Broncos running around the Destin area, Panama City, and they've removed all of the doors from this thing. And they've got the, the big, the expansive sunroof or the whole convertible thing. And I'm like, that's a Jeep. They, they, mm-hmm. they, they are, they're using these things like they're a Jeep. And so anyways, yeah, very that was the
1: big, that was one of the big narratives when like they first debuted it was everybody was just hating on it as a, a Jeep copycat because uh-huh. it was so many little features like that, where you could take the top off this way and you could take the doors <laughs> off and you have the fender flares. And it was like, yes, it's a
0: Jeep. And I think Ford was saying, feel free to laugh at us, (laughs) knock yourself out as we sell these like hotcakes.
1: Yeah. Good timing on their part.
0: Yeah. Next thing. Um, I hear various things about the EV market in general. I hear it's the future. Obviously the government is pushing for this. Everybody needs to buy an electric car, but also I hear, like back to Ford, that that they have these thousands of EVs that are sitting there unsold, and this, and you know, you occasionally hear about the the car that's battery blew up, and and everybody had to leave the car because it set on fire. What what do you think about that whole market? Is is that what What do you think?
1: I think there's definitely um, almost a, a storyline that's going unnoticed in terms of the ability to be first to market. Yeah. gives you an advantage, but only for so long. Yeah, It's only while you're first. And yeah. so as more and more options are coming out, people are starting to go, oh, is this not all it's cracked up to be? Or, oh, why are their sales dipping? And it's like, well, no, they just, they had this immediate rush because they were first to market, or there was a lot of people waiting for this particular model and whatnot. But now it's kind of leveled out because all those people got their car and... The people who are on the fence, I don't think, have seen enough reasons to tip and say, "Oh, yeah, this is something that I wanna that I wanna do." And um, the tax credit thing, you know, is getting some people to tip, but then they're yes. you know they're taking that away, and so then some people are backing off of it. Um, I think the one that'll really reinvigorate the industry is the um, the Volkswagen bus. I don't know if you've seen pictures of that, but that is... I haven't seen
0: pictures of it. I just heard about it.
1: Yeah. I think we're about 14, 15 months away from seeing it here. Awesome. Um, They have a two-row option overseas, but the American one is going to be a third row, like a van. Um, And it just looks killer. And everything about... I mean, it's been in the works for like over 10 years they've been talking about this thing. Wow. And so I think that's going to be one that really kind of disrupts the market in terms of it's cool, it's nostalgic, capacity-wise. You know, it's not just like a little Model 3 that's a commuter car. It's a family car you can put everybody in. Um, and I think it'll kind of make electric cool um, gotcha. in, a, in yeah. a different segment than how Tesla does. That right? makes Tesla sense. Tesla has its own following of why electric's yeah. cool.
0: But yeah.
1: I think um, the ID Buzz will do that as well, more so that's for the great, family market.
0: That's interesting do you do you have any thoughts on these rivian vehicles are is there do you have any qualms
1: yeah my um I don't have any qualms with them the you know the biggest red flag with some of these smaller electric companies like polestar rivian is the infrastructure around servicing them right and the the big red flag that comes up for me and this happened a couple of years back um is if there's a recall right so Tesla has the mobile service well they they'll come to you and they'll you know plug the software in, fix something, open up the right. dash, fix whatever they need to fix. But if you have a recall on the struts, what mobile Tesla service is going to come to your driveway and put your car up on jacks and replace the struts? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so this actually happened a few years back um where overseas, I believe it was in China, all of the Teslas got recalled, but the recall never hit the US. And so I always had you know, wonderings around why did that not make its way over here? If it was an issue over there, is it purely just political there or is it because it would bankrupt the company in terms Mm. of they wouldn't be able to handle it? Um, And not necessarily bankrupt, but it would just create such a poor um, presence for them where people are going, well, why would I buy one of these when I can't get it serviced? I can't get basic taken care of. Um, So I think ultimately with a lot of these smaller electric companies, They can make a really good product, but what does that look like in the future? And is that the burden to service them actually put on independent shops, dealers, right? You kind of, you kind of enter a new sphere of like, okay, how do I find a reputable electric mechanic that doesn't work for the brand?
0: That's a great Um, point.
1: And this is, I mean, it's kind of history repeating itself because this is what happens with most manufacturers uh hundred, eighty to a hundred years ago was everyone was direct to consumer. Ford sold direct to consumer, GM sold direct to consumer, and it got to the point where they couldn't service the customers after the sale. And so right. they said, Oh, we'll come up with this great idea where you can become a dealer, you can become a franchise and you're now the middleman in between there and you get to deal with all the drama of all these people who are upset coming back.
0: Yes indeed. And
1: they pitched it and presented it in such a way that people said, okay, yeah, we'll do that. That sounds great. Um, because when you look at a dealership model nowadays, you deal with all the, all the junk, you deal with all yep. the drama. Yep. And you play the middleman of talking to the manufacturer and going, Hey, we need help with this. We need support. I've got customers that need this. And then you have to communicate that to the customers. And so you play this kind of liaison um, for the customer, for the consumer and, I think that that problem is going to repeat itself um, yeah. in the electric sphere with some of these smaller manufacturers. Y-
0: you made that point the last time that we talked, uh, which was kind of enlightening to me that if you, especially when you're buying a new V ve- newer vehicle to look th- through the purchase and look into the future and think I'm buying all of the service that I could get here as well. I'm, I'm buying all the expertise as I'll tell you in a second, I've already been the beneficiary of, of, of your thinking, which is you're you, you want to be connected to like the best service that's right there and they know how to do these things. So, um, I'm going to move on to telling you about, uh, about my, my personal transactions. So in, in a few months ago, when we talked I told you that I'm looking to move this Land Cruiser, and I need a replacement vehicle. I need it to be eight seats, but I don't want the giant kind of Sequoia Escalade thing. I want as, as small as I can get with eight seats, and there, there are some eight-seat models where the back seats are like smashed against the rear window, and I don't want that. I've got to have room for backpacks, et cetera. As i I'm taking kids to school. You said you understood this issue and you <laughs> gave me a tip and I'm here to thank you in front of God and everybody. Thank you, Ian, for your great advice. Okay. <laughs> I shopped around and we had said that uh, my finalists were the Kia Telluride and you mentioned to me, what about our good friend, the Volkswagen Atlas? And I was like, I, I don't, I don't know nothing about Volkswagen Atlas and you'd said that there was a special deal on the 2018 and 2019s. You said there's this magic moment that they have. Would you re? Would you just recap that for us?
1: Yeah, basically just a just a sweet spot is what I call it. Where uh, when they debuted the Atlas in 2018, they were coming off the tail end of some of the TDI diesel scandal stuff as well as putting a new SUV into the market where they hadn't had a third row SUV in the American market before. And so I think to try to create a a real positive image, they did a six year bumper to bumper warranty on it, which is pretty unheard of when it comes to, you know, warrantying electronics and everything else that goes into it, air conditioning, window motors, all this stuff that that breaks. Um, And so, yeah, just kind of a sweet thought because you have that bumper to bumper warranty, but uh, they depreciated just like normal cars do, um, and it was pre-COVID, so you didn't have some of these crazy um, demand issues and, and lack of supply. When they debuted, they did pretty well, and so Volkswagen uh, fortunately was producing them in the U.S. in Chattanooga, and so they were just pumping them out. Uh, and so there's plenty of them out there, and you know, its typical buying cycle is three to five years, and so people are starting to get bored of them or want something different. So there's, yes. there's some out there to be found.
0: Yes. And you mentioned this six year thing. And then there's this magic thing that happens. If you get their official certified pre-owned the C CPO vehicle. CPO, yeah.
1: will extend it another two years.
0: They'll tack on some more. Uh-huh. And um, so it's absurd.
1: I always like to take the math <laughs> and, and like make it in today's years, right? So if you go, okay, so that gives you essentially eight years from when it was brand new. If yes. you have the six year plus the two more. So if we go, okay, right now it's 2023. So if we had a 2015, it's still fully insured, warranted, yes. just like the day it was you drove it home.
0: Yes. Like, and I don't know if you said this. When, I don't know if you said this when we talked, but I didn't hear it until... I'm sitting down with the sales guy and I'm talking through this. And I think I told the sales guy a couple things he didn't know. He's like, oh, really? Okay. But then he he did tell me now that um that warranty, it begins that that like seven-year window begins when they sell it the first time. I'm thinking, oh And so he looks up the records. Oh, well, this thing wasn't sold until February of 2020. Okay. So all that to say, I I now have myself a 2019 Atlas that seats eight very comfortably. I can't believe how much room there is in there. It has room behind the third row. I have put a roof rack on it. There's tons of room. The the week after I bought this thing, I drove it to Texas and I had all of my kids camp stuff and we had lots of luggage, plenty of room, no problem at all. And it will be under warranty bumper to bumper until February of 2027. Amazing. So I'll just tell you, I've never bought an, uh, a car that nice or new before I it's kind of still, I still feel like I'm kind of in a rental car because there's nothing wrong with my car. There's nothing, I can't believe there's nothing to do on it and to think to myself, nothing's going to go wrong for four years. That's not going to, that's, that's going to stay wrong because it's going to get fixed immediately. And I'll tell you this as a, as a promo for everybody and another, I wish you were near and I could hug you. Um, that warranty has already saved me over $4,000. So there was something I, when I came back from Texas, I had a, I had a check engine light on and I noticed, especially when I was in reverse, when I turned the wheel very dramatically, there was like a clicking sound in the steering column, took that in. They said, there's, we need to replace this whole thing, this whole assembly in the steering column. I, it cost me zero, so I signed it with zero, but I saw the invoice that's their internal yeah. invoice. Yeah. it was thirty three hundred dollars to to do that there and the check engine light was like some computer thing that needed to be updated and then about two weeks ago and I'm told that this is pretty common um, among Volkswagens my my window switch on the on the driver's side it just failed like it stopped it didn't do anything. Took that in. That was another four hundred bucks. So, uh, it's perfect. Everything's perfect, and it's like yeah. br- driving a brand new car. I'm just so pleased. Uh, just to throw the numbers by you, Um, I found one. My I didn't get the exact detail package that I want. I didn't. I didn't get my dream c- color. And you know the the black wheels look pretty ba baracus. But I didn't get the black wheels. What I did get was I found a 2019 with 20,000 miles on it. So, I think I'm probably going to be using that warranty right up till February of 2027 and um, they so they wanted 31,000 for this car, and I'd looked around enough to go like, "That's fair." I kind of had a I kind of felt like I had a good rapport with the sales guy, and I was like, "I'm not here to steal your money that you're going to make off of this deal, but you think there's any?" there's any give here? Is there? Would I be wasting my time to ask you to go to your manager and see if we can get this for less? And he was like, between us, they're not going to take off. They're not taking off $10 on this price. I'm, I'm telling you, and I'll do it. I'm happy to do it. I'll go represent you and I'll be your lawyer to the manager, but I'm just telling you, they're not going to budge on this price. So anyways, there was really no negotiation on price, but I'm very happy with it. And so happy with it that my good friend, Samuel Adiklam in Indianapolis, I had a conversation with him. He ended up buying the same thing about two weeks ago. So oh my gosh. We're, we're, we're very happy. So a- any thoughts
1: on that process? Having just that peace of mind, have you noticed a difference in terms of like day to day or month to month of like peace of mind of like, I don't have to worry about this. I'm not concerned about I've got five years before it's even a thought. That of has course, to I mind. feel like I'm,
0: I'm living for free. It's amazing.
1: I just love that part, that it frees up some headspace to be able to go, this yep. isn't a worry I need to have in my life. Yeah, Let's solve this problem for a couple hundred, because in my opinion, that reality, that difference in price um, is a couple hundred dollars. And so it's like, you know, whether it's monthly or yearly or whatever, it's like, it's worth it to solve that peace of mind issue. Yep. Um, You know, cause whether you're driving it or your wife is driving it, you're not getting those phone calls of, Oh, it didn't start this morning or, you know, that little thing in the back of your mind of oh, it's making this noise. I don't know what that noise is. I don't know how to find out what that noise is. Do I become a YouTube Google expert and try to yes. diagnose this thing myself? I just, it's not a battle I want to fight.
0: It's such a silly, silly little thing, but um, it illustrates your point. I put something in the trunk sometime this week, and I'm pressing that button. So I've got the automated hatch, right? You just I just press a button. I don't have to do anything. And it, there's some computer that drives this thing up. And I'm pressing the button, and it's sitting down. And I'm thinking to myself, this thought went through my head, you know, Stephen, you press that button enough times and this thing's going to break. And I say to myself, it doesn't matter if it breaks, Stephen, because they're going to mm-hmm. replace it for free. It's all taken care of. And I'm like, press that button up and down, tailgate up and down. <laughs> well, let's go. It's real. It's very interesting yeah. how... I don't know if that's poverty mindset or there's something that's like, preserve the number of times you press the button on the. I was was just going to
1: joke and say, is that mom's voice or dad's voice? Don't push (laughs) that button. Don't you push that button anymore?
0: (laughs) I don't know. But um, let me ask you this. I hadn't planned on mentioning this, but when you mentioned the peace of mind and removing that worry from you. So my mother lives in Houston. She's a widow. And she is going through the process of selling all the old cars. And of course, I who's, who, I'm live hundreds of miles from her. I want her to be in a car that creates zero challenges for her also. So I'm pushing for her, like, get rid of all the used cars, buy a newer, nicer car. But one thing that's come to mind, I'd love your opinion on it, is would she be better served to get to lease a vehicle? So that she could just, so that it's all of the maintenance is taken care of. And with three years or four years or whatever, she just kind of re-ups. What what are your thoughts?
1: My mom's very similar circumstance. And so I lease her a car every three years, uh, for that reason. Exactly. Because I just want to know if anything happens, it's taken care of. I'm in Hawaii. She's in Washington. There's not a lot that I can do from this far away. Um, but yeah, it's it's a true, what I call fixed cost of ownership. So I prepay all the maintenance. It's got the warranty, all that. And so it's like, mom, put gas in it. Make sure you pay the insurance. You're good to go. Like, awesome. And and typically, I would say for somebody in that stage of life, they're probably not doing a lot of driving. And so yep. that's where leasing works really well yep. for the people that aren't racking up a ton of miles. If you do a ton of driving, leasing is probably not the most economical answer unless gotcha. you're starting to get into some of the the tax benefits and the write-off and all that. But um, for that circumstance, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of leasing. I've done it. I think this is our third go around doing it for. Um, and Sweet. it's been fantastic because at the end too, you've got that option to go, do we want to keep this or do we want to sell it? Or do we want to lease another one? Do we want to trade it in? At the end of the lease, you get to evaluate, you know, okay, this is what my buyout is, my residual. And Essentially, what you're looking for is: is the car worth more than that or less than that? And if it's worth less than that, I just turn it back in, done with it, uh, and I'm back at zero. If the car is worth more than that, I can trade it in or I can sell it, and so now I get to capture any of that equity. And so you either get to start at zero or you get to start with equity. And so it's a great like risk mitigation tool in terms of some of just like you know with all the unpredictability we have, it gives you some fixed numbers to go off of. Uh, in terms of knowing where you're going to be three years from now, what that expense is going to be for the next three years, that kind of thing. So yeah, for somebody remote far away, I, I love the leasing option. I think it makes a ton of sense.
0: Well, you did such a good job advising me on what to get. Why don't I just pick your brain for my mom's sake, which is I want her to have a small kind of crossover vehicle. I want her to be Mm -hmm. a little bit higher so she can see over sedan traffic. I'm thinking something like the the Nissan Murano, the Rav Four, that kind of a size. Any any recommendations that are better than anything else?
1: It's definitely going to come down to her preference, Uh and so I think it's allowing her to be kind of yeah to, to be blind to the brand and narrow down to two, three options, and go, Mom. Let's whether you go with her or you send her out on a solo mission, and you say, you know, go drive these three and let me know what you think. Allowing her some opinion in this one felt nicer. She right. might not be able to articulate, you know, it's like, I don't know why, but maybe that seat ergonomically is a little more yeah. upright or, you know, the way the hood is sloped, it feels sure. my, my mom's four eleven. And so it's it's a big deal in terms of what the hood uh right. you know, slope is for right. her because it, it dictates whether she can see over it or not. Um yes. and then the other part, like you mentioned already, is like how close is the nearest dealership of that brand to her? Yes, Is it an hour away or is it 10 minutes away? And that might sway your decision a little bit too. Um, But I think ultimately, yeah, narrowing it down to a couple. um, I'm obviously a a little bit swayed by some of the Volkswagen brands. I think they've done a great job in terms of delivering a very quality product that they kind of position themselves as this in-between where, they're not competing with BMW, Mercedes, Lexus. But in terms of price point, historically, they've always been more than the Hondas, right. uh, Toyotas, you know that, um, kind of Dodge, Chevy, that kind of stuff. And so they're kind of living this in-between where it's a little bit more money, but it's also a lot more quality. And so I really appreciate a lot of their products. I think they do a good job making everything very intuitive, easy to use, you know, Apple CarPlay, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, so Volkswagen has a small SUV they just came out with uh, two years ago called the Taos, T-A-O-S. And that's the exact size you're describing. It's a little okay. more upright. It's a two-row SUV, um, you know, kind of a almost a little mini version of what you've got. Awesome. Um, so I would say, yeah, you know, a Taos, uh, yeah, maybe a RAV4. Um, you know, this is where it gets into, like, is she ever hauling the grandkids around? Does she ever right. need like, so my mom drives a, a Tiguan, which is kind of in between a Towson and an Atlas. And it has yep. what we talked about earlier, kind of that courtesy third row. It's just a smash cramped little third row. Yes. Um, but my sister who lives near her has four kids. And so once in a while, if she needs to take a couple kids with her, it's nice having that extra space yep. and having the trunk space, be able to throw stuff in there. So um, at the end of the day, yeah, I think having her drive it, ultimately is what it comes down to. It's, it's the the easiest way, I think, to shop is you narrow down to two, three options, you drive them all back to back, and then you kind of reevaluate, reassess, and go, okay, yeah, kind of pro-con. Here's how awesome. close this dealership is to the house. Here's what I like about it. This one felt the best. Or I didn't notice a difference between these two. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, you can't go wrong in that small SUV market. Um, Mitsubishi makes a decent product in that model line as well. They've got the outlander sport and the eclipse cross um that they've done some redesigns on that are small suv long warranty um the trouble there is there's not a ton of mitsubishi dealers so finding one close to you sometimes can be a challenge
0: right so getting getting out uh, checking out google maps and seeing what dealerships are near her wouldn't be stupid no no not at all okay well, I'm, I'm going to throw it over to you and let you tell me a couple of trends that you have seen in the market in the last couple of months. Um, thank you very much for the advice. And, uh, you know, we'll keep you abreast of what's what's happening with with uh, Stephen's mom in Houston uh, later. But just tell us some things that you think are salient to us hearing about what's happening in the industry.
1: Sure. Sure. Before we do that, do you still have the Land Cruiser?
0: I do, and the reason that I kept it is because now that we have we have a very unique situation, Ian, for the first time, I have a vehicle that my wife is willing to drive. So this is very new around, around our uh, household. So what's happening is right now, this morning, w- my, my wife's had some dings and scrapes on her uh, Mercedes, that for, she's been putting off forever to get dealt with and get the insurance, blah, blah, blah. So she took it in this morning because she's going to drive my new Atlas for a while. And while her thing is getting cleaned up after her thing gets cleaned up and we have two fabulous cars, that's when the Land Cruiser goes away. But I think I'm going to, I think, unless I'm just a fool, I think I'm going to make a Pretty close to even swap on what I'm going to get for the ninety seven cruiser, I think it'll be around thirty thousand, so I think it'll be pretty close to what what I paid for the Atlas, so we shall see
1: yeah, that'll be great um all right, so to answer your question in terms of what has come up in the past few months um, you know i I was reviewing some of the stuff that we talked about before, and I think the biggest change that I've seen is what i would call kind of this looming i think it's it's already here in some ways but i think it's about to get a lot worse and i would call it a negative equity epidemic where people who have purchased cars in the past few years depending on circumstance whatever supply demand ended up paying x and their car is now worth y and they're wanting to make a change but they've only paid it down this far and they now have to account for an extra eight thousand dollars ten thousand fifteen thousand dollars in negative equity Um, and so it's going to create a real pinch in terms of buyers that want to buy dealers that want to sell and banks that won't say yes and it's going to put a lot of people in a tough situation where i think we're going to see a lot of defaults go up Um, that's a trend we're already seeing where repossessions are starting to increase and some people are doing it tactically. Some people are going, well, instead of paying the $15,000 negative equity, I'm just going to let this one go back to the bank. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's something that people haven't experienced depreciation at this rate before. Um, and, or they've been spoiled by the lack of it for the past few years.
0: Right. So, so the market was burning hot since COVID, right? And Mm -hmm. it's, 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 there's, there's indicators that it's cooling somewhat, right? Yeah. Uh, So, so what's the, what's the tactical move for any of our listeners? If you made a purchase that really stretched you and you need to get all the value out of it, would you, is your Recommendation: Will keep maintaining that thing and expecting to have it a couple more years than you otherwise would.
1: Yeah, it's like, there's kind of two ways to solve the equation. Is if you need to make a change right now, you have to be prepared potentially to cover some of that negative equity via down payment, um, or you got to try to kind of wait for the the payoff and the depreciation to meet back up again. Um, right now, there's a big disparity between those two, and at some point, they'll catch back up, or they'll at least get closer. Um, so that's just a waiting game. So if you're able to wait, sure. I mean, that's always the recommendation. It's like, yeah, drive it, drive it to that point where um, it reaches its you know most viable minimal life usage kind of deal, and drive it until that point, and then get a new one and start the cycle over again. Because really, what you're looking at is like. Um, I just had this conversation with our neighbors, like people shop by price and not necessarily price and exit. So you might buy a truck for $30,000 that in five years is worth 15, Right. but you could also buy a truck for $40,000 that in five years is worth 35. Yeah. And so which one actually cost you more? At the yep. end of the day, some of it like, kind of similar to what we talked about before. Some of it comes down to is this a need purchase versus a want? And when you've got a, you know, $8,000 difference in negative equity, do you really want that new one? Like, do yep. you really want to pull that trigger or could you, could you gut it out for maybe another two, three years um, and hope that it catches up? So that combined with, uh, and this might be our, our second point, but okay. interest rates, interest rates, um, just keep keep rising and yep. you know right now it's making it where i guess kind of along the same lines of someone who bought a car forty thousand dollar car but it had a zero percent interest rate or it had a two point nine percent interest rate and for them to go buy that car today that car is fifty thousand dollars and it's got an eight percent interest rate that's very different math in terms of looking <laughs> yes, at what is. that monthly payment is um but the other part is that that forty thousand dollar car depreciated because now again just from a supply and demand standpoint as the new cars are becoming more and more available because new car availability dictates used car uh depreciation or price
0: whoa say that again
1: new car availability dictates used car depreciation or price okay uh there's substitutes right to use economic terms so if someone's shopping for a new car, they're going to go, well, how much would this cost me used? And vice versa, if they're shopping for the used car, they're going to go, well, how much would this cost me new? Um, and so from that substitute standpoint, it's it's making it where as the new cars start to become more readily available, we don't have that constraint anymore. And so in order for someone to pull the trigger on a used car, it has to be significantly less. Whereas mm-hmm. before the availability on the used, on the new car was so scarce And that's where we saw new car prices were starting to stay up and used car prices were actually more than new car because you couldn't get the new car, right? So it wasn't necessarily that we had this anomaly where used cars cost more than new cars. It was, no, used cars just cost this because there are no new cars. And so now as the new cars are starting to come back into the market and become available, the used cars are taking this huge hit, this depreciation, and that's what's caused people to have this big negative equity piece. Makes and sense. So, yeah, it's it's creating quite a conundrum um, for the shopper today. Who, getting back to this interest rate deal, is that their their last experience was the car cost this and it had you know this interest rate, and they come in today and the car costs this and it has this interest rate. The other piece of it is, well, last time I traded my car in, I didn't have to put anything down. Well, this yep. time when they come to trade their car in the bank's going to require them just to get to a loan to value percentage is going to require a certain amount of down payment based on mm-hmm. their previous payoff and their trade in value. Right. And there's going to be some consumers that are going to be bewildered by that. Because, well, I've never had to do this before. Well, I've got yep. good credit. Why should that matter? And we're seeing it as well with some of the more uh, like lower tier new new car new buyers, right? That are just entering the game, you know, maybe early 20s. This is the first time they're financing a vehicle.
0: Yeah.
1: Kind of one of the go-to metrics in terms of financing is typically most lenders that have some kind of first-time buyer where they will finance someone who's never financed a car before. They'll typically finance around 100% of the value of the vehicle as long as it's less than twenty, twenty-one, maybe $22,000. But Hmm. 20,000 is an easy number. So if you mm-hmm. go, okay, if we can get to a $20,000 loan amount on a $20,000 vehicle, so that means you can't trade in something with big negative equity or any negative equity, right? Uh, they can probably get a loan on that. But what's happened is that that car that used to be 20,000 back in 2019 is now, you know, it you know, peak COVID, that car might've been 32,000. It's uh-huh. come down now to where maybe that car is 27 or 28 it still hasn't gone all the way back down to where uh-huh. it was pre-COVID. Okay. Um, but what's happened is the banking um, programs haven't grown with the prices. And so consumers are having to go down in quality of vehicle to still fit the parameters to get a loan on it. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but it's essentially inflation, right? That's the, right. Only, the only variable that hasn't changed is people's income. So when a bank is looking at um, a PTI, a payment to income ratio, they're going, well, the car has gone up in value this much, um, you know, based on supply and demand, the payment is this much, the interest rate has gone up. So actually the payments are this much, but your income hasn't changed. So you still only qualify for a payment down here. And so in order to make the math work, it it just kind of comes down to algebra, right? In order to make the math work, you have to buy a car that costs, $12,000, $12,000, not 27000
0: And, and so, what's the magic PTI that, that banks are looking for?
1: It's going to be real subject to each lender and each credit score, right? Because you can have someone who's never financed a vehicle, but has maybe some student loans or some credit cards or something where they've shown they have a repayment history. And then yeah. you have some people who've never paid anything. Uh, they're, we call them pure zeros. And then we have some people where they maybe have had the opportunity to pay and have not, and they still have never financed a car before. So there's a lot of different, um, different variables that go into that. So okay. we see 10% PTI 12, 13, 14 um, on some of those like first time programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously as, as credit and repayment history gets better, those numbers go up.
0: Yeah. Wow. Tons of great information again from you, Ian. Uh, We've run out of time, but uh, man, you're you're such a fount of helpful, really practical knowledge. I'm so grateful for your time. And I I don't know if this is good news or bad news to you, but I don't think this will be the last time that we talk uh, because there's so much happening in that market. And as we've said before, it's a market that everybody has to deal with from time to time. And anyways, I, I really appreciate your expertise. It's been great to talk again.
1: Yeah, absolutely it's 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 fun getting to chat with you about this stuff and hopefully get some helpful or useful information out there. Absolutely.
0: Hey, if you liked this content, be sure to like it and subscribe and share it with somebody. And remember, no matter how you're doing and leading your family, God's love for you is huge and his grace is. Planted, planted. Planted.